Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Monday, October 23rd. We are here live. I'm on the road today. First trip or first show on this trip. First show with the new update on the coach and some new technology. So uh, I'm hoping things are working well this morning. Seems like it on my end. Although, sounds a little funny in my own headset. I'm not sure why. We'll see how things sound on your end. Uh, Phone lines are open. We're only going to be here for an hour today. So uh, here, by the way, is uh, Colby, Kansas for me. This is where I made it to over the weekend. A lot of updates on the coach. I'll talk a little bit about that. I am heading to Nashville for the NASTIC conference. I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of you there. Um, It looks like they're going to be keeping me busy with uh, speaking and other events. So uh, I'll try to make as much time as I can while I'm there to talk to people. I also, now that my schedule has changed, I haven't completely verified this yet, but it looks like I may also be able to drop down to Chattanooga after and attend the Freight Waves conference. So looking forward to that as well, if I can make that work. Looks like... uh, Looks like I can. Okay, so far, it sounds like uh, technology's working. We're, uh, everybody's hearing me. The next test will be if we can hear somebody on the phones, but it looks good. Um, I had this Starlink on the last trip. This was the first Starlink we bought, and it performed well, but it was a little awkward because it was constantly dragging it out and wiring it and so while we did the updates on the coach, I had the Starlink system hardwired in. So all the wires are put away. The routers are in permanently. The satellite, the, it's hard to call it a satellite dish. It's so tiny and it's not really a dish. I don't know what you call this thing. Uh, if you haven't seen the dish, the receiver for the Starlink, it kind of looks like a, a really big iPad. Uh, but for a dish or a, a receiver, it's not that big at all. And now it's hardwired, just rides in one of my bottom storage trays. When I park, I just set it outside. Needs an open shot to the north, usually not that hard to do. And so far, it's been performing really well. So we'll see how it does today. Phone lines are open. Go ahead and jump in. Oh, calls are already starting to come in. We'll get to them here in just a minute. I really don't have a lot today. Um I did a lot of driving over the weekend, uh, so I really haven't been reading. My schedule was a little different. I was actually driving sort of overnight. I started um, my second morning at like 2.30 in the morning, and I'm driving in shifts again. So I usually drive six hours or so, stop, take a break, maybe a nap, get up, maybe do another six or seven. Uh, I think I'm about... uh, From here, probably about 13 or 14 hours away from Nashville. Seems about right. So uh, I'll probably, like I say, we're just going to do an hour while I'm on the road. Once I get to Nashville and get settled in, which might even be, oh, probably tomorrow night. um, I've got some other, I may make a stop. I don't know. So once I get into Nashville and get settled, um, we'll be able to do some longer shows. I may even do a space at the end of this week really just depends on uh, how much I get done once I get settled into Nashville. But uh, while I'm on the road, we're going to keep it short so I can get uh, get some miles behind me. 
Uh, anything goes today. It is a free-for-all. We're only here for an hour, so jump in pretty quickly. Uh, a lot going on in the economy. I, I did have a little bit of time this morning to check some of the charts that I've been following. It's starting to feel like we might be finding the bottom of rates. Now, I think our economy, uh, our economy is just really, really hard to predict right now with World War III being talked about, everything else that's going on, it's really difficult to predict what the economy might do. The Fed is talking about not raising interest rates anymore because I think they're starting to see some some pretty strong signs of a slowdown. So they may pull back on cutting rates. The industry itself, though, is looking like we might be finding the bottom. But nobody's really talking about climbing out of that bottom yet. So the first thing we have to do is find the bottom. And I'm, I'm really hoping it's there because we are getting to the point with rates and volumes that even people that are doing a lot of things right are going to be struggling. I think we've, we've dropped far enough to wash out, you know, the bottom third or so. I've read several articles about all the... Uh, trucking company and brokerage fail failures looks like we're maybe about to see a a run on brokers failing so much for brokers being able to set the rates if brokers are able to set the rates they all must be complete idiots uh, because why would any of them go out of business if they have control over the rates it, it, i feel like a, a numbskull even saying that i can't believe we're still arguing with whether or not supply and demand is a real thing <sighs> yeah i don't want to go down that road well uh let's get to some phone calls uh i really don't have a lot other than that i do have a new tune on the coach i guess i'll talk about that for a minute i posted it on twitter and i said i did it myself but all i really did was hook up the laptop and call leroy so Many of you know the last tune we put in this was for fun, and I told Leroy to give me all the horsepower we could get. We weren't able to put it on the dyno, but it seems like it might have been right around 800 horsepower north of 2,000 foot-pounds of torque. Uh, it was very impressive for a C13, but it was also really difficult to drive. Um, I can't hear the engine on this, so... You can't drive by sound. I had to stare at the boost gauge all day long because this thing was capable of producing 60 pounds of boost. And I'd really rather not test all of those boost leaks we've fixed. So we turned it down. And the other reason I figured out it's really hard to drive like that is with this six-speed true automatic transmission, there's almost nothing I can do uh, to lower boost other than to just let my foot off the throttle. So that was a fun experiment, but this time I told Leroy, give me maximum fuel economy. Now, I said, don't worry about performance because I wasn't worried about it. I know a good fuel mileage tune is also an improvement on stock horsepower. This, uh, this C13 stock is rated at 525. My guess is right now, um, at 525, it produces 40 pounds of boost. We're at 50 now. I'm going to say we're probably 600, 625 maybe, somewhere in that range. 
and it's really drivable. You know, 50 pounds of boost, if I'm trying to pass somebody going uphill, uh, I can produce 50. It's not hard to keep it under 45 now, so I feel a little safer there. And it's a joy to drive, really responsive. Um, I doubt that I'm going to be able to get any kind of good fuel mileage numbers as a comparison right now. When I drive this coach normally, my cruise speed is 60. I, I just set it at 60 almost everywhere. Uh, if I'm in a 55 zone, I'll set it at 55. But for the most part, I leave it at 60. And I struggle to get six, uh, especially when I'm out west and a, a lot more pulls. Six is about the best this thing does. When I had the, when I pulled the trailer, the 24 foot car hauler, when it's loaded with a car in it, uh, I was down to the low fives. This trip, I've really been running hard. I, I've got a, I just want to get there and get set up. I've got a lot to get done. So I have been running 70 to 75 the whole time. That's just crazy for me. Surprisingly, the trip so far to here, and again, I can't really call these accurate numbers, but uh, so far from home in Oregon to Colby, Kansas, I'm actually showing about 6.6 right now. Uh, that's really impressive for this. That's like the best fuel mileage numbers I've ever put out, and that's running harder than I've ever run. Now, Somebody's going to say, oh, see, going fast. No, going faster does not get better fuel economy. This thing is working at that speed. I can feel it. My guess is I could pick up possibly another mile per gallon if I slow this down to 60, and we might be breaking seven. That would be impressive. Now, we, we improved several things over the last two trips. On the last trip, when I had all that time at Pittsburgh Power, and I was able to tear into a lot of this myself, we fixed a lot of boost leaks that I've probably had forever. And since I've owned the coach, I bet we, we, I'm sure I've had boost leaks. They're just so hard to get to on this. It's hard to test them even. So finally, we had time. We fixed every boost leak we could find on that last trip, which included a, a new high-performance charger cooler. So that had to help fuel economy. The tune, I believe, is absolutely helping fuel economy. And we also took off that catalytic converter off the C13. And surprisingly, I'm able to get away with no muffler at all. Uh, the twin turbos really kind of knock some of that noise down. It's far enough behind me that I really don't care. Um, it's a little louder than stock, but, but I've only got maybe... I had to guess, I, I bet I have maybe eight feet of uh, straight pipe after the turbos. And the only time I can hear the engine is on the Jake brake. I hear a nice soft rumble. It's actually kind of nice. So with all of those improvements, all of those are engine, by the way. There, there's almost nothing else I can do on this coach. I've got good low rolling resistance tires. I always run uh, the same Michelins. But there's not a lot else I can do on this. There might be some other things I'll try. The problem is I don't get any kind of a, a return on investment on this. We don't put enough miles on it. But uh, I'll keep you updated on that. If you've got a C13, I will tell you so far, this this tune is really nice. This is the first time that uh, Leroy's used this tune. He was playing around with some things. So 
Uh, so far, I like it a lot. Let's get to some phone calls. This is going to go fast today. Jump in and join us, 855-950-3835. We are off to Texas. Dave, welcome to the program. Morning, Kevin. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing better now that you and I can hear each other. My technology seems to be working. An AI headset, and it's the best $40 I ever spent in my life. <laughs> it, it, that thing is just insane, I swear. <laughs> but uh, let's get to the, my question real quick. And I don't want to take up too much of your time today because I know you're only out for a short time. Is, uh, you know, I kind of faltered off my keto diet a couple of years ago, and I've been fighting weight and, and all them health problems that came back again. About two months ago, I went strict carnivore. Okay. Right. I, uh, I got some improvement in joint pain. Uh, I lost about 25 pounds, but I'm real lethargic. I really seem kind of tired okay. all the time. And uh, this weekend, I got the, con- the continuous uh, glucose monitor. Okay. Just for the fact that I wanted to see, I, I, I continue to use a vape, and it's a sweet-flavored vape. And I wanted to see if that affected my blood sugar. Does it? Um, just to check it out. I, it doesn't seem to at all. I, I wouldn't but, think uh, that it would. It's still, yeah, well, I don't know. I, in my head, I'm getting that sweet taste in my mouth, So, and I'm uh, sure I'm craving I'm craving carbs on account of it. Yeah, <laughs> you might be, and, and there is somewhat of a bump with, with that kind of thing. The more we use the CGM, the more I see that that bump's not really that big, and it's not really much of a factor uh congratulations okay. on the cgm here's uh, my what, thing what how long have you okay. had it on so far i'm just say i put it on friday morning and i didn't get it working until sometime saturday and that's when i headed out on the road so so uh i've been getting readings continuously since then and uh, i'm using the setting that was restricted because i've been on low carb okay okay and and all and all and, and i'm kind of I'm real confused. Of course, I don't. I haven't really studied all of the things I should study about the CGM. But I'm low. Everything is low. In fact, low needs improvement. Right around sixty. Oh, okay. And, okay. and uh, so yeah, I mean that it's it's kind of scary. No, well, it shouldn't be. I've got some ideas for you. I actually think that's good. Um, okay. It. it I don't know if I'll say it's good. It's where I would expect it to be based on what you've just been through. You were keto. You fell off keto for a while. You went back to strict carnivore. I would expect to see what you're seeing. And I've got some ideas for you. I don't think this is going to be hard to fix at all. Here's what I find when people are on carnivore. I'm starting to hear this lethargic, not a lot of energy. They're seeing improvements, like you said, joint pain. Um, weight loss, they're seeing all those, but they're, they're not feeling like they have a lot of energy. Here's what I find. Right. You, you, all we have to do is shift the macro balance a little bit. We just ignore carbs. There's not enough of them here to even mess with. We've got too much protein, right. not enough fat. Protein is, here's, here's the thing that makes me crazy. If I hear one more nutritionist or some commercial for some product talk about, oh, I have all of this energy because of the high protein. Uh, bullshit. You do get not get energy from protein. 
I, I hear this on commercials all the time. I hear nutritionists say this all the time. I hear, oh, I feel so great with all this energy because of the extra protein. If anything, too much protein will deplete our energy because it's so hard to digest. It requires a lot of energy to digest protein. It's the hardest macro we have to digest. Maybe not the hardest, but it's the most energy intensive. So if you get too much protein, not enough fat, and you're very low carb, your body has to work hard. This is why you lose weight. It will start using the fat on your body as energy, but that's more work than getting the fat in your diet. So what I find that works almost every time is even with the diabetic, if once we get the blood sugar numbers under control and yours are, you're trending low, I would start eating more fat, more fatty meats instead of leaner meats, and I would add some fruit. Okay. Oh, you would? I would add a little okay. bit of fruit. Good to know. Well, now, see, now, here's another reason I, uh, why. I, let me go back and clarify. Before I would recommend avocado fruit, good? Uh, avocado is fantastic. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, Okay. Before I stopped eating them too when I went on carnivore. Yeah, go go back to them because that's going to be one of your good sources of fats. Before I would normally recommend this, I would want to see more data in that, but you're wearing a CGM. That gives us data quickly. You're already trending low. Let's try a little fruit. If you get weird spikes, you know, maybe we back off the fruit a little bit, but I'm thinking add some fat and some fruit and you're going to feel a whole lot better. Okay, let me tell you one more thing I did. Now, uh, Saturday afternoon, I had a bowl of bean soup, uh, and, and it barely barely moved the marker on that uh, nice. CGM. That's a good sign. Uh, I, was, I, was expecting, I was expecting it to spike. Yeah. So, the- so being, the, being, being the wild man I am, this morning <laughs> I had a couple <laughs> breakfast burritos. Now, I normally don't eat any grains at all, and I had two flour tortillas with these small breakfast burritos, and it, and, and it moved, it spiked, but only up around 90, 92. And then within an hour after so, that, it started coming down again. One more thing I would do. I would, tomorrow morning when you get up, before you do anything, do you have a, um, I'm sure, I, well, I would think you've got a meter with you, just uh, so you can do a finger stick? Well, Actually, I don't. Uh, uh, the one I had, I had so long, and I hadn't used a damn thing. I tossed it out. But the, uh, I, I could grab one, prop maybe. Well, here's <laughs> here's the thing: we, these the the CGMs aren't completely accurate. They're a really good device for a lot of things. You said you're using a, a restricted setting because you're low carb. It wouldn't be a bad idea to test that. But here's the other thing: let's say it's. 20 points off. Instead of 90, you were really at 110. Instead of 60, you're really at 180. We're still in a perfectly good range. So I doubt that this thing could be that inaccurate that we would be out of range. So I, I'm not really worried too much about that. I, I think you're running lower I'm blood sugar you. numbers, and that's part of the lack of energy. And we actually want to work to bump those numbers up a little bit. Okay. Now, one more question, and I should be saving this for a health show, but I, I can't. I, I, I used to take the bulletproof coffee every morning, or the NDK coffee every morning, but I never used the brain octane. I just used uh, coconut, coconut oil. Right. I can't do that anymore. 
I can't do that anymore. I gotta, I gotta go. To, I gotta almost disaster pants immediately okay. when so, I drink nope, that. Now. I, so I'm I, thinking that I'm gonna need some help uh, digestive. Well, here's the other reason you don't have any energy. This makes total sense. In order to have good energy in keto, we need to be in ketosis. If we want to be in ketosis, we we have to eat enough fat, but we have to digest enough fat. And now we have signs that you're also not digesting fat well. Right. So you need a 30. I think I know where I need to go. 30 days on the fat digestion kit. Okay, the, the, the jumpstart kit or the... No, the uh, fat digestion. Uh, you got three different fat kits on there. Yeah, just okay. it, it should be labeled just okay. fat digestion. Okay, great, great. I'll, I'll get to that. I'm going to let, uh, let you go so you got some room for some other calls. All right. But I'll good. be in touch, my friend. Yes, call me <laughs> Call me in a couple of days. This is gonna, not going to take long to turn this around, I'm sure. Let's uh, Let's go to California. Jerry, welcome. Hi, Kevin. A quick fuel mileage question. It's really kind of a goofy phenomenon that I've noticed, but before I get to that, I've got to tell you something. Those Tate gluten-free cookies that you recommended, they now have a new flavor, lemon. It is absolutely awesome. Those Tate gluten-free lemon are wonderful. Now, let me me qualify that. Those cookies... I I know. Technically, I don't really recommend them. I just said that they're a guilty pleasure for me once in a while. Those kinds of treats, they're not even completely grain-free. They've got some rice in them. They're pretty darn high-carb. Those are reserved for people who have really gotten metabolically healthy again. And it should be once in a while. Yep. Yeah, I but they are good. I back in the sleeper, so I don't. I can't reach them from the. I can't reach them from the seat. So that's a good idea. I only eat a few at a time. But, yeah. but that new flavor of lemon is wonderful. So, quick fuel mileage question. I've noticed this phenomenon before, but I've never seen it displayed quite so graphically here. And let me set the scenario up. I cut a round trip from Illinois to Atlanta, drop and hook in Atlanta, go right back to Illinois. Same route, same basically the same weight within a few pounds. Either okay. direction, just a drop and hook and head right back. So I fueled on my way to Atlanta. I fueled uh, because I was at a cheaper station. So I put in 45 gallons and had 8.02 miles to the gallon. I went to Atlanta, dropped and hooked, and came right back to the exact same station. I didn't want to fuel there, but price was going up overnight. So I went ahead and fueled there, even though the next station was cheaper. But it wouldn't have been cheaper tomorrow or the next day. Right. Because of the price increase, it was cheaper to fuel there. So I put in 144 gallons at 7.92 miles to the gallon. Started the next morning, and because I knew when I was getting back, I was going to do a California load. So I stopped at the cheaper station in order just to top off, even though I didn't need very much. But put in 26 gallons, 6.19 miles to the gallon. Why, when you put only put in a little dab is a mileage drop. I have noticed that before, but I've never been able to figure out the phenomenon. I'm very meticulous about how I fill my tanks. I'll squeeze in every last little drop. I right. always stop on an even gallons. Why would a small dab? I've noticed that in the past, but never never seen it so uh, vividly right. displayed as I did on this last uh, fuel ups. Why does a small amount of fuel cause the mileage to go down? There doesn't seem Which to be. Which it probably be. didn't, but why, you know... There doesn't seem to be any logical explanation that I can think of. There's there's nothing in our calculations or algorithms that should cause anything like that. 
There's nothing physics-wise on the truck or the engine that I can think of. <sighs> you know, all I can say, and it's it's may or may not be it, fuel mileage can be negatively affected by so... Well, let me give you an example of why a short run... It, it may not be the fuel itself. It may be what we do right after that fuel. We're checking from a very short period of time. There were some times on this trip already for me that in a, how, well, let's see, 26 times six. So you you only did like a, less than 200 miles, right? Oh, 160. Yeah, I've got yeah. that. I just didn't want yeah. no, to muddy up the water. 161 no, actually, mi- yeah, 161 miles. The explanation is not in the small amount of fuel. It's in the small amount of miles. So just this alone, you're, you burn, you, you're getting like one and a half miles to the gallon while you're accelerating. So that first acceleration running through the gears already sets your average super low. Now, over a whole day of driving out on the interstate, you wipe that out. Now, say you start off like I did one time. I wasn't thinking and I stopped at the bottom of a long pull. I always try to think about that and I try to stop at the top. When you're out west and you've got the long poles, it's a bigger issue. But I stopped at the bottom. Now, my first three miles of acceleration, I was probably getting three miles to the gallon, trying to get up that pole from a dead stop. Now, if I only check that in 50 miles, look what it would do to my fuel mileage. So it's not the small fuel amount. It's the short mileage that threw it way off. Can you hear me now? Uh, hey, we can. <laughs> yeah. Holy cow. Dude. And just for this... your information, when that happened, you, you got real faint for a while, and then uh, then I lost all the audio on my earpiece. I have my the, I had the show on my tablet, so I was able to turn my radio up and hear you doing all your fiddle-farting around <laughs> trying to get reconnected, but I couldn't hear any of that yeah. through the phone. Yeah, so... so that's the, just FYI. The, the phone is still the weak link in this. You know, most podcasts don't have to deal with live phone calls. It's one of the biggest challenges we had, getting the technology to work when we're on the road. How do we keep that all working? And it's... Um, it, it's it's MacGyvered. You know, my, my iPhone connects to my audio board. My audio board has to connect to this online phone system. And that seems to be our weak link. I struggle with these connections more than anything. And that's the problem we're solving with our own software. But it's turning out to be a bigger problem than what we had anticipated. So it's taking a while. That's That's like the last weak link in our system. So... Hopefully, uh, I've got a few. I, I figured out a couple ways to reconnect it. So we're good. Uh, where were we? Did you hear my answer? Uh, it had to do with the acceleration, and I understand all that. There was no idling involved, and it just was such a dramatic drop. I just yeah, so, had to share that with you and see if you had any suggestions. No, I think other the real. That, I think I the real key. Acceleration. I think the real key here is not the small amount of fuel that can't change anything. But when we track a short number of miles, that will absolutely do this. The longer we track out on the highway, the bigger our number gets. The more we track these short where we're starting and stopping and accelerating for the day, and then we get out on the highway, 
Yeah, if you were to track a short enough number of miles, you would get like three or four miles to the gallon. Well, that'd make me cry. But, yeah. you know, I yeah. think that is understated in the fact that I know a lot of people take exception to Joel's uh, light loads, but he has like 29 or 30 stops in cities. And I don't think people take into account the starting and stopping, et cetera, et cetera, have a major impact on his fuel mileage, too. So, you know, people discount the, the fuel mileage because of his weight, but they don't take into account the big picture. So if that yeah, explains yeah. it. I'll let you get on to another call, Kevin. Yeah. If, if for anybody that wants to just verify this, if you have an instant read fuel mileage gauge, just watch what it's doing while you're accelerating through the gears. And now watch what you're, what happens if you accelerate uphill from a dead start, you're at a mile or two per gallon at best. So if we track that short period of time like that, we will see an anomaly like this. And you could see bigger anomalies than this. All right, let's, uh, let's go back to the phones. Brandy in Nevada, welcome. Thanks, Kevin. Um, I placed an order with a, a company. I placed a large order, and I got an email saying they felt threatened by the order that I might turn around and resell it on Amazon. It seemed very similar to what you had on the spaces with brokers and drivers, and I just kind of wondered if my emotion was right to feel that way. I know it sounds preposterous to ask this question, but it made me mad that they didn't trust my my order that I would going to turn around and resell it on Amazon, which I wouldn't do, but for them to accuse me of that after I've already paid them. Now I may have missed something. Who was this order through? Was it us? No, no, it's a private company. Yeah, no. And I I wondered what you thought of it. Well, I, I tell you, we have to do the same thing. So don't be offended. Now, look, we, we are, for an internet store, we're still pretty small and we're a small company, so we absolutely know a lot of our customers. So we would never do that to somebody who has previously ordered and we know who they are. But we will get, the, the, you would not believe how often this happens. And on one hand, you're thinking, could let them buy whatever they want. But on the other hand, we don't want this stuff being resold. We will get orders from somebody brand new for 10 tubs of Cardio Miracle. That's a big order. And you're wondering why in the world is somebody buying 10 tubs? It would last them five years. And we know that this stuff does get resold. And we have to be careful about that. So we deal with this constantly we get fraud alerts from our system all the time and we have to call and verify that this is a legitimate order okay i just thought maybe that was wrong after i've already paid them and now they want to say they're not going to take the order because they feel that i might resell it well that we we might again if we did not know the customer we would make the phone call and ask some questions and and if they have a good reason why they're buying 10 maybe maybe they buy two and they're they've got five family members or friends and they all want to and and that'd be fine but if we do have to watch for these fraudulent orders and when you say you've already paid them that's the only way they would ever know that it was a possible fraudulent order i mean until the card comes through and you see the order and trust me the credit card companies are sending us warnings about this stuff and 
if we process a, a fraudulent order, we could be the ones that lose the money. We might not get paid. Okay. So a little more discernment in the emotion department. Okay. I <laughs> This is curious. Yeah. Thank it, you. It, it, it has gotten much, much worse um, every year and now monthly. Um, we have so much credit card fraud on our own business cards. We're constantly canceling cards and getting new cards, and that's a hassle. Uh, but we have got a lot of work behind the scenes to make sure we aren't processing fraudulent orders. It takes a lot of time out of our day. Yeah. Well, that, that gives me insight. I didn't have that before. Appreciate it. You know, it, it's, it's interesting that some of our stuff, we... We work hard, I say we, it's Lisa and the team, to keep our costs down. We have not raised any of our prices during this inflationary period. We work hard to keep our costs way down, and sometimes we are selling less than that same product on Amazon. And when that happens, then somebody sees an opportunity to buy it from us and resell it on Amazon and actually make a little bit of money. That's not the same thing then, like, uh, you know, the, a driver with a broker thing then, that, that they were getting upset. You had that really heated no, show on spaces. I, and, I don't okay. see the correlation, no. Okay. All right. All right. Thanks for the call. It. Yeah, it's, uh, we don't talk about it a lot because doesn't not much we can do about it. It's just part of um, when you sell online and you accept credit cards, this has become a big issue. Let's uh, let's go to New York. Jay, welcome. Jay? Hello? Yep, go ahead. Yeah, how you doing? Good. Uh, just a little quick question, a uh, quick statement. The guy with the CGM, a lot of times you have to wait about 24 hours, and then after the 24 hours, you should be able to calibrate it, and then yeah, you'll put yeah. what your reading is on your monitor. And then you'll put, you know, and then it'll, it'll calibrate itself. Correct. And, and he mentioned that, so I didn't spend a lot of time on it. He said he put it on on Friday and he wasn't getting accurate readings till sometime Saturday, which it takes about 24 hours. Um, he's been through that. He's also using a, a different setting that is designed for people who are eating low carb. Now, that's a n- new setting. I have not tested that setting yet. So... That's possible. I'll give you another example. There are scales on the market, and I'm testing three of them, that that measure not just your weight, but your body composition, bone density, how much fat's on your body, how much muscle, how hydrated you are. And they're not they're not accurate. Let's just say that they're fairly close most of the time. It's good information. But if you are very athletic there's a different setting you use on that scale to make it a little more accurate. They're doing the same thing on the CGM now. If you eat very low carb, your sugar numbers do not show up in the normal patterns, and they're trying to tweak their settings for people who are eating like this. So that's why I recommended to Dave get a finger stick, but he didn't have a meter with him. Had he said, oh, yeah, I've got one, I would have walked through how he takes his finger stick reading and goes in and calibrates his CGM, but he didn't have a finger stick. Okay. Uh, so question. you are correct. I've, yeah. I fasted. I fasted 
from Saturday afternoon to to this morning. I my sugars from Saturday to this morning. They hung about around 180. Sometimes they will go up to 110. Wait, wait, but wait, now, wait, morning, stop, stop, at- stop. You just said something that made no sense, and I need to correct it. So I know what you mean. You said they were hanging okay. around 180, and then they went up to 110. Something's no. wrong with that math. No, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They were hanging around 80 okay. while, I was during, while I was sleeping. They would hang around 180, uh, Not, around 80. Okay. All right. And then, you know, during the day, maybe 110. All right. And Sunday, now, today, this morning, I get up at 530 like I usually do. And right around 8 o'clock, they start going up from the, from the 80. Eventually, over two hours, it'll go up to 130. And I Dur- haven't done anything. I mean, you know. So you haven't eaten anything. Exactly. Did you drink anything? And it went up. No. Did you work out? No. Okay. Well, Have, uh, unless, you know, driving, getting in and out no, the truck. No, no, no. Um, so I just need a little history. Have you ever been diabetic or pre-diabetic? Oh, no, I, yeah, I, I am diabetic. Oh, yeah. So you are still insulin resistant. What just... <sighs> Now the phone system just totally quit on me. Unbelievable. Let me reconnect. And that means I also lost all the calls I had on the board. Uh, You should still be hearing me live, but we have lost our phone system again. Try to reconnect. We've got some calls coming back in, so we will rescreen them. And, uh... I can hang out a little bit longer today. We don't have to quit right at 11. I said I was only going to do an hour. We'll, uh, we'll do this like a soccer game. If you watch soccer, you know, it's very different from the way we do American sports where we kind of have a hard clock. In soccer, they have a clock, 60 minutes, 90 minutes. I forget what a soccer game is. It's long. But the clock never, ever stops. Once the clock starts in soccer, it just keeps running. The referees actually keep track of what they think was like holdups in the game, and they add time at the end. So that's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to, uh, we had, uh, we've probably been disrupted for at least 10 minutes. So uh, I'll add some time at the end. Let's see if I've got it working. Let's go to New York. Jay, can you hear me? Yeah, I'm back. All right. There's our second recovery of the day. Go ahead. All right. Yeah. Um, like I said, uh, Saturday evening around six o'clock, I had two pork chops salad and that was it. Since then I've been fasting. So I've been so fasting. One of the Five things that can happen between, when, you're, between, when you're very low carb and then you fast, your body has no glycogen stores. Your body can store about 2000 calories of glycogen, which is the form of carbohydrates that give us energy. When we deplete that glycogen, then our body has to start using fat for energy and it has to convert some of that fat to glucose for our brain. So when we see a a spike like this and it can't be food because you're not eating, a little bit of it could be stress, but that's not gonna be much. What we're seeing is we're watching your body make glucose. So I shouldn't worry about it. 
No, if you stay as long under, as it doesn't get anywhere it, near near one forty. Yeah, if you stay under one forty, you're fine. What it tells us is you're still a little insulin resistant. Nothing major, though. Oh yeah, I'm definitely insulin resistant. You know, yeah. cause like you said a few weeks ago, you know that you get the average. Yeah, it tells you that you're right. hanging around one forty. <laughs> but then if you measure throughout the middle of the day, you'll see that hey, you were probably one sixty, right. and then you you're, you're at one twenty. You know, those swings mislead you. They do. So you're getting the real story now. Yeah. And that, that bump up while you're fasting is not surprising. Your body's making glucose. So as long as it doesn't touch 140, we're, we're in that's good business. The, that's the safe zone, yes. Now, uh, what's your call? Um, I need something to drink. I can't drink water plain. You know, unfortunately, I tend to gag. Are you, and I know Crystal Light is, is, don't is, is, drink it, is Crystal, an ideal. Don't, no, I don't, don't, stop. Don't drink Crystal Light. That stuff's garbage. It's got all kinds of artificial sweeteners. Are you drinking Cardio Miracle? Yes. Okay, so that's two big drinks you can do every day. That's not water. It's got some flavor. You can also... Since you're still in, well, you're eating low enough carb, get a good low-carb kombucha, something under 15 grams of carbs per serving. It'd be better if you got down around seven or eight. Uh, Kavita has some flavors that are under 10. So find a good low-sugar kombucha and try those and see if you like that. If not, and you just have to have some flavor and carbonation, um, you might want to get one of those soda stream machines and then you could carbonate your water wow. and you could add like lemon or lime or a little bit of fruit juice or some flavorings that don't have any sugar and you can get away with that. And you won't have all that garbage that's in all the the, uh, the commercial stuff you're going to find like Crystal Light. Just stay away from all that. Okay, so ideally, if anything, anything with seven seven carbs or less or 15 carbs or less, that would be fine. Yeah, you're eating low enough carb that one or two drinks like that a day, um, that's not going to throw you way off track. Now, also, you've got a CGM, so watch. I'm not two gallons. What, what? I, usually, I usually drink about two gallons a if, day. Well, if you need two gallons of liquid a day, at least a gallon or more of it should just be plain water. Okay. I'll try that. I'll try that. Yeah, there, I... Here's the other thing to think about. Human beings for hundreds of thousands of years drank nothing but water. There was nothing else. We do not need any liquid other than water to survive and be healthy. Now, we recommend some things, obviously, like cardio and some light balance in our water and things like that. But, but we have to remember the human body only requires water. That's the only liquid it needs. Okay. All right. And uh, what's what? You know how sometimes you buy something and, and it'll have like one gram of sugar? Is that too much? I, I want you to think about that for a second. Uh, okay. Really? I know I, we shouldn't have any sugar at all. No, no. Have you ever, ever, in all the years I've been talking about health, I have never once uttered the words, we should have no sugar at all in our diet. I've never said that. Yeah. It's almost impossible. And we don't need to get that extreme. It, you just heard me say a little while ago, 
Stay under 15 grams of carbs. Find a good kombucha. Drink it once a day. Watch your CGM to see if it spikes. I, those You can't make kombucha without sugar. That's why there are always going to be carbs in there. But you, you heard me recommend that you should drink one a day. I'm not a no-sugar guy. It, it's, it'd be crazy to even think that way. You're going to get some sugar in your diet. We just want to keep it as low as we need to based on your metabolic health. There are days where I consume 75 to 100 grams of carbs because I can. It doesn't bother me to eat that way. I perform better when I don't. So right now I'm pretty, pretty strict carnivore right now on this trip. But you, you don't have to think that this is no sugar. I know there are some there are some practitioners. There's actually a whole thing I've seen. NSNG, no sugar, no grain. I'm good with the no. Well, actually, I'm not even good with the no grain. I eat some white rice. We don't have to be that extreme. If you want to be that extreme, do it. But if you have to ask if one gram of sugar in a product is okay, it's fine. Let, let's not get too crazy about this. Let's go to Pennsylvania. Paul, welcome. Howdy. What's on your mind today? Um, a, a suggestion for Jerry, if he does a small fuel up like that, you know, 26 gallons, just put it in as a partial. And then when he does, you know, say he only goes 160 miles and then he goes 700 miles, but he puts the small one as a partial, then he'll have a lot more that's accurate a, for the... That's actually a good recommendation. Yeah. That would work. If you've got a... Sh- and. Again, we don't care about the small number of gallons. That doesn't affect anything. It's those short miles that will throw the number off. And when, when you combine yeah. it, you call it a partial, then it doesn't calculate. It waits and adds it to your next fuel up and then calculates the whole thing, and it would be more accurate. Good recommendation. Yeah. Yeah, because, like, I filled up the other weekend. Uh, when I got home, I filled up in Oklahoma City because I knew the price was going up. Well, then I stayed home for a few days. And then when I left on Friday, well, I, I the fuel's cheap at Terrell, Texas on Friday. And I put like 37 gallons and I was at seven miles to the gallon. But I was empty yeah. for 260 miles or whatever it is. You know, so, here's, here's another yeah. good reason to have this information on your dash, like with a scan gate. I... I wish I could put a scan gauge KR in this coach. I can. It's just not worth all the work. It would probably, this is not an exaggeration for me. You know, in a semi, what does it take you all of about two minutes to install your scan gauge? You, you plug it in, you snake your wire up, you set it on Wait, the dash, yeah. you're done. Um, my my yep. connection to the ECM is 45 feet away from my dash. It's way back at the back. You're going to need a long cable. (laughs) Not only do you need a long cable, it would take me eight to ten hours of labor labor to properly run that cable. It's just not worth it. I do have a kind of a similar system that's built built into the coach. But for anybody that has a... Just it on the outside and up to the window. There you go. A little bit of that uh, high-speed duct tape. Uh, That's right. Good enough for an airplane. yeah, Yeah, that'll work. So for anybody who has that, that data in front of them, you know, an instant read in the dash or a scan gauge KR, all you have to do is watch what happens to your average in the first 100 miles of your trip. It's awful. It's going to be low. It takes a while to even out all yep. that startup. 
Right. That's all I got today. All right. Short and sweet. That's all I need. Thanks for the call. Let's go to California. Amel, welcome to the program. Hey, good morning, Kevin. What's on your mind? Um, you know, the weirdest thing happened last night. I actually, for different reasons, agreed with something Noah said. Really? They came out. They came out and they decided that one of the biggest problems in the industry is that people don't know their numbers uh, <laughs> and that they need business education. You have got to be kidding me. After it, all this. It's a shame you're blocked. It's a shame you're blocked from the space. It was the funniest three hours. Could, could we just go, could we just go back and replay to them how many times we said this and how many times they just kept screaming at us that it doesn't work? It, it was, it was crazy. I mean, the, on top of them cussing me out for an hour, but, um, you know, and, and the irony of it was just, it boggled me. And I, some guy named TJ jumped in there <laughs> and he, I don't know if he was serious or not, but he came in and he, I assume he was, he sounded very serious. He recommended to them that in this uncertain times that they should haul for established brokers like TQL and CH Robinson. Oh boy, but they lost sure their they mind. Oh, it was, it was interesting. I mean, well, it was not as good as when he offered them freight at 250 a mile. <laughs> 250 a mile today is a strong rate, man. If you're turning that stuff down today, you know, here's, here's all we have to wait for. Uh, maybe in their next space, they'll start talking about relationships. And if they do, then our job is through. They, they mentioned some of that, but they're kind of tongue in cheek on it. It sounded like the person talking about relationships was the, uh, uh, whatever her name is. The one that, Oh like, yeah. Collects she does all I the collection stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she's actually pretty pretty decent and you know, sounds like she may actually provide some sort of legitimate service. I, I thought so too. It, from, it was just right. Yeah, it it was just a fascinating couple hours of you know, and on knowing your numbers, they had that one guy talking about dead heading fourteen hundred miles and he actually admitted if he took the load, it would have raised his all mile rate by twenty two cents a mile for so not for the week for for like his entire 10,000 miles. Yeah. So I That's I was massive. I I was following that I don't jump in on that anymore. I'm not debating with anybody on social media. Um but I watch and I just comment what I feel like commenting. Uh their attitude still seems to be around that issue of why you wouldn't haul that load when it made total sense based on the numbers that you should have hauled that load and not deadheaded, their attitude seems to be that if you don't pull those loads, things will get better. They, they, they just don't understand how supply and demand works. It, even the shutdown concept. Yes, you shut down, you D and rates will go up. I mean, if they were actually to get a, a, an effective shutdown, it would make the rates go up. It would have to. It's supply and demand, and we believe in that. The problem is, one, how long can people sit in times like this so where you're not going to get an effective shutdown? We've talked about that a million times. But two, even if you do, 
it's only short term. The minute people go back to pulling the freight again, the rates will go right to where they were, except a true shutdown might put enough people out of business that it would improve things, but that we don't even need to speculate on that because it can't happen. You're never going to get enough trucks to shut down to make a dent. Well, every one of them talking about shutting down, they're not even talking about it from a place of strength. I mean, they're they're stating, I don't know if I'll be able to come back out once I shut down. Exactly. So if you got a truly effective shutdown in a time like this, ironically, it could work, but not because of why they think it would work. They think you're forcing shippers to pay more money. Well, you are, but only very short term. As soon as the capacity goes back to work, we're right back where we were, except you could lose a lot of people. There are people out there right now that could not shut down for a week. There's just no way they'd be out of business. Well, and then for those of us that have employees, it would be utterly irresponsible. Yes, of course. I mean, well, let's think know, about this. 10, 20, 30 employees. Let's, let's talk about irresponsible. We're, we're on the cusp of World War III. Our economy is in tatters. Our country's a mess. And you want to shut down our supply chain for you? That's pretty damn selfish. Yeah, I'll have to agree with that. Our I supply just, chain's I mean, a mess as it is. And, and, and now you, you want to use your power? We have the power. We could shut down the country. Oh, why would you even talk about something like that in a time like this? Well, and not only that, but the decisions they're making, you know, they're trying to put it in this broad vision of, oh, we're helping the economy, we're helping yeah, my the market, ass. we're helping well, wait a minute. Truck, wait truck a minute. drivers in general. Let, let's let's get not, real. You're not even helping yourself. Let's get real. They Nothing they do helps the economy or the American people because here is their attitude all the time. We need you to pay us more. We should not have to try to cut our expenses. They've said that out loud. They have actually said that. We should not have to control our expenses. So all they're doing is telling the American people, we don't have to run a responsible business. We just want you to pay more for everything we bring to you. How do they think they're helping the economy like that? Hey, three seventy-five a mile it helps their economy. That's it. That that is a I mean, it, it, right. It it is hard on everybody else because remember they also want to brag. Everything you have, we bring to you, and now we want you to pay more for it because we don't want to have to run a responsible business. That's their message. Well, and then they mix it in with that labor message, but in, in on the subject of ignorance. They spent like 30 minutes or an hour trying to explain their understanding of how the emission systems work. Oh, boy. And how they are. It was bad. It was, <laughs> they were using the wrong terms for everything. They said it was an absolute scam. A couple of them admitted to deleting equipment on an open forum, which just blew Did, me away. That, I, just, and, I just reported you know, late last week individuals now being charged for this. I don't doubt it. It's happening. And they yeah. blamed the, the, as they said, the cow piss burning on the, being burned on the back of the system for killing all the bees in California. So, so wait a minute. Uh, I 
think a lot of people know how upset I was with the way the emissions were handled back in the 2000s. Um, we've been through all of this. We no longer think emissions are a problem. They're not. I, I'm glad we have these emission controls on the trucks now. I want clean air. I remember what it was like to walk through a truck stop at night and your eyes were burning and your throat was burning because the diesel fumes were so heavy. When these trucks now are spec'd right, driven right, and maintained right, we don't have emission issues, and we have guys getting north of 10 miles to the gallon with these new trucks. This is not a problem anymore. My book hasn't been for a long time. That, but that's, that tells you where they are in this business. They're about 15 years behind. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to agree with that. I mean, we, I went through that same struggle with you in the last probably five years and then, you know, but my answer was not theirs. It was, I took some classes, we bought some equipment, I hired a mechanic, we invested and learned exactly. how to maintain these systems exactly. and how to spend them. I am, I am I all for people running but, older mm -hmm. trucks as long as they want to run them. I would, I'm fine. I, I wish you could still build gliders. I would still be helping people build gliders, but I'm also fine with the emissions now. I'm, I'm excited about the new trucks. Well, if you knew your numbers, you would know. Obviously, <laughs> right. you I'm talking about other people. <laughs> you know, if, if you have that older equipment getting five and a half, six miles per gallon, and when they talk about their numbers for sitting, those trucks are idling yep. all freaking day. Yep. You know, you can hear it in their numbers. If you're comparing that five, five and a half miles per gallon to a newer truck or one that's spec right, which we run a lot of them, and even some older stuff, the one I took up today um, to California this week to start these new lanes, um, I'm right at leaving California. I've got about 4,000 miles right now because I ran some other stuff, and I'm at 7.9 miles per gallon. This is a 900,000-mile 2015 Cascadia. You know, it's been paid off for years. You know, it does have a tag axle, has a few other, you know, things going on with it. And it was not even spec'd right, but we've maintained it and kept it up and done some work on the emissions, you know, and driven right. Like you said, eight miles to the gallon, that is a, or 7.9, actually, that is a completely different number than five and a half. I mean, that changes the whole world for what you can do. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I say I don't debate and I try to stay out of some of this, you know, on, on social media. It's just too frustrating. Uh, the one time I had to jump in was the back and forth about posting the numbers. I, I was trying to understand what they were saying about what they included, what they didn't include. And finally, I just said, Post a damn PNL and we'll start from there. I put up something, and it was just a week of this back and forth about well, you don't show this and we show that, and and then he, I I actually saw a sentence that said, "Let's truck does not know how to calculate profit and loss for owner operators. They're doing it wrong." I wrote the software. It's not wrong. I have, I have accountants who use our software for their owner-operator clients. I mean, I, I wish it worked better for, you know, 14 or 12 trucks or wherever I'm at right now. But, you know, when we, you know, we learned a lot using it. Yeah. And, and yeah. we did. 
you know, we, we did use it and we had some hacks in it. Um, and, and, you know, I think I've said it before last couple of years that we used it, my 15 now 17 year old daughter, she was putting the numbers in for us. Right. We were paying her right. to do it. Yeah. I mean, so I, I'm sure they could figure it out. You, you would but, think, you know, I think, I think, I think there's this, you know, from the very beginning, just looking at what they're saying, I think there is, um, oh, I can't think of the word, commingling of funds. Oh, yes, absolutely. You know, when I started with one truck, when I started, you know, we decided we were going to turn this from one truck into a business. You know, my wife was adamant. We had a separate account. I drew a salary. You know, everything went to the business and everything was separate. And we've maintained that to this day. You know, it was critical. But... You know, I think, and there's always some bleed over, like, hey, I'm taking a business trip or, you know, some stuff like that. But with one truck, you know, I remember my first one. It was a very long time ago. I mean, it was a really cheap truck. Right. But And I didn't even have a laptop. I had a notebook, and we were, every time a penny went out, it was written down. Every time revenue came in, it was on the other side. I knew on every trip, every week, every month what I was spending. And even though I was putting a lot of money in that, that $8,000 kit when it was a, a century, you know, to get it up to par, you know, I knew everything that was going in and out and I was fighting every day. You know, I think I was driving 57 miles an hour back then. Right. You know, and I get it. I was doing different things with my first truck than I do with drivers. Absolutely. You know, it, it's a different right. world. Totally different you know, world. There's yeah. more of there's more of a balance between efficiency and and um, it, and uh, productivity. You know, Fridays and keeping drivers from we, trying to shoot you. We've covered this issue over and over and over on Fridays. Having Joel on board because you know he comes from a a family run trucking company with drivers and. He's been in management. He's dealt with these issues. His brother still does. We talk about it all the time. There, there, is a, there is a difference in how you run the operation with one truck, with five trucks, with 25 trucks, with 100 trucks. As you grow, you change. But growing is the challenge, and you can't keep doing things the same way. But I, I think after all the kicking and screaming for it to have these guys now start saying it's all in numbers and education is just hilarious. Oh, it was great. I think even Matt kind of made an offhand comment, you know, about he, he talks about hypermilers, you know, and I'm sure he's talking about Joel and all that. Yeah. And, and he's like, they're getting, they're getting 11 miles a gallon and we're running around, you know, getting five or six. That's huge. And he, he just got to the edge of telling people, well, you got to rethink what you're doing or how you're doing it. <laughs> but he was, you know, and then he swapped over to labor and, you know, his, his darn near union spiel. But it, it was just, yeah, I'm sure they're missing the equation. I mean, reading between the lines, you know, because I, I love details. Yeah. You know, some of them talk about what they're running. And they're running, you know, the one guy was talking about his expenses or whatnot. And you just you can't get him to break it down. He just had that one line across. And I'm like, this this doesn't help. This doesn't tell me anything. What? But, um, you know, he's all, he doesn't have a truck payment because he has a $30,000 truck he bought at the peak of COVID. Oh. Well, I can't imagine what that looks like when truck prices were super high. Correct. I mean, that, you know, that cannot be. 
clean, effective right. equipment. Right. At this point in time, uh, that's probably got really high costs all over it. I'll bet. But, you know, and then the, and it's weird to me because they're on different pages. You know, Mac and them are talking about if you're leased on, you're not a real owner operator. In fact, they say you don't have anything to say to them because you don't experience any of their issues and you need to shut up and get out of the way. <laughs> and then at the same I, look, time, I, 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 the reader. I'm, I'm going to do a little bragging here. I don't normally do this. Come on. I've spent tens of thousands of hours on the air talking about nothing but these issues. I wrote the software to track fuel mileage. I wrote the software. I wrote the courses. Come on. There are maybe a handful of people in the country that know what I know about helping owner operators run efficiently. And for them to tell me I should shut up and get out of the way is just hilarious. Oh, it's, you know, but what I was getting at is they were talking about, they they are at the point now where they think no one should be able to lease onto a carrier or That's, the FNCSA that, needs to get involved in that ignorant. amount. That is ignorant. It is a really good business le- model for the industry. It's a really good business model. I like the leased on model a lot. Oh, I've got, I've got a great almost hybrid in it because we built into it. So, you know, I'm able to you know, take our direct customer freight out and I'm able to come back with rate cons and negotiate and have my own freight for stuff coming back. What, what, what would they say? What, what would they say to people who are still in my situation and much bigger? Um, I know many, many contractors leased to FedEx that run very successful multi-million dollar a year businesses. They're, they're going to tell them that's not oh, they legitimate? Were, they were talking about that. They they said running dedicated freight as a leased-on person is just skirting the laws. Huh? And they should, their employees... Skirting and, what laws? It was uh, the independent contractor rules. Well, wait a minute. Hold on. What to do how, how can I how have, do How can I have 15 employees and not be a legitimate business? What? There's no laws I'm skirting whatsoever here. None. It's not even close. I don't think they're looking at that in the big picture. Because, you know, I I was scratching my head at that comment because, you know, we're we're an LLC. I've got really significantly, what would be the word? It was a really decent benefits plan for my people. Exactly. They're all on W-2s. They all have... You know, they have comparable benefits to some of the mega fleets. You know, I had one uh, one woman that has worked for us for a year, and she she got or you know looked at the cost and what our benefits were after she got on board, and she was like, "I came here for the money, you know, and, and the dedicated run, but your benefits they, plan is better than her box." They clearly don't understand the law, not even close. If they are questioning this and claiming that it's skirting the law, they are completely ignorant. There's nothing even close about this setup. Now, even most of today's lease purchase programs don't skirt the law. They're completely legal when you look at the independent contractor rule. There are some that are iffy, I don't th- but almost all of them now use a third-party leasing company that makes it legitimate. And if you don't like that, then no. go change the laws. But don't try to claim that they're skirting the law. They're not. 
Well, they, I think but, they're saying it's abusing labor and. and uh, wait a minute. It is, wait, the, the whole abusing thing. We're not in North Korea here. You can't abuse somebody. Everybody has a choice. If you're being abused, you chose to be abused. Go do something else. I don't disagree. And I, yeah, no, I know. I'm I do not, agree. I don't like lease purchases. Well, I don't either. I recommend Shoot, I, do I, I wrote the book against them, but not once did I ever say they skirt the law or they're, they're illegal. They don't. They're, they are a legitimate. As far as the law goes on independent contractors, most of them using third-party leasing companies are completely legitimate. Yeah, I just wish they would come on more open platforms to, you know, challenge their ideas or to put them out there or just to open, you know, to open the conversation. Here, here's you know, here's I what I see as their shit to hide. It is. It is. But they're going to keep doing that. They they tried to come on our spaces and, and all they did was claim we just shouted them down or whatever. Uh, so they're not coming back. They're not going to be on one of my spaces again, I'm sure. Here's their biggest problem. We could talk about the details, what they've got wrong. They've got a lot wrong. Their biggest problem is, in their mind, they cannot separate an employee from a business owner. They just can't. No. Well, that's not their other primary issue is even though they agreed that education and business, you know, acumen and was a, a primary issue, their solution was the government should require or provide oh, education please. before anyone gets their oh, authority. please. I think I have the better idea. Get rid of the whole process of authority. Doesn't even make sense anymore. Just get rid of it. I bought a truck. I can go pull freight for whoever I want. Just like when I open a hot dog stand, I can sell a hot dog to whoever I want. If I open a landscape company, I can go cut anybody's grass. I don't need permission from the government. The whole authority process should just go away and then where would their argument be? I think you would need, and this is where I may agree with them a little bit. I think if you did that, you would need really stern enforcement. Well, why, why, well, well, wait, well, wait a minute. If we have rules, what do you mean stern enforcement? Just enforce the laws well, that are I'm, in place or get rid of their, in my mind, you either enforce things or you don't. And I'm with you. If there's a rule, enforce it. But I, the the authority process makes no sense anymore. Yeah, they they want a very strong barrier to entry. To, now, now, wait. Know, here, here's let's. That's a whole different world now. And I was about to go to this next. What barrier of entry do they want to put in? What is the barrier? I never hear them say what it is. You know, I. I'm going to have to say, I'm not really sure. I don't right. know. What, what would I, it be? I'm sure citizenship what? is one of them. Well, that's already but. a barrier. It's supposed to be, if you just enforce the laws we already have on the books, that would be a barrier. You know, and, and I think if you get in an accident and they, and I'm sure there's rules there now, but if you get in an accident and it's a mechanical violation that, you know, you should, you know, for not maintaining your vehicles in a safe manner, but, you know, oh. and there are consequences for that. Sure. You know, there are lawsuits, but, you know, hey, I'm all for jail time. I, you know, if someone gets hurt or killed because you're not doing what you should do, I am all for, like, the well, rules well, should be well, strict well, as hell. I am, too, but I'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent here. So I get it. It's safety. Human life is at risk in our job. But let's make another comparison to another industry. 
the medical industry. The fourth leading cause of death in this country is medical mistakes. Nobody goes to prison for killing all of those people. Nobody. So why are we going to to even stand on our high horse and say, oh, we, we should have... I'm all for enforcement. If you're a dirtbag, let's get you the hell out of the industry. But but let's not take this safety thing too far. We don't put these kind of standards on any other industry. And the medical industry kills people all the time. Yeah, I would be curious, and this is probably very contrarian. I, I would be interested to know what the um, fatality rates and accident rates are in Mexico. Yeah, it'd, it'd be Where, interesting. You know, right, the, the, right. You know, I... I, I because we, we sold a couple trucks to exporters this week, and, you know, my wife was handling the transaction, and she talked to the guy because he works uh, in Laredo with his own authority and then kind of exports trucks inside us. And he was complaining about rates being bad, but then when she quizzed him about, you know, what was going on south of the border, he was like, oh, but they always buy trucks out there. They're always busy. They're always making money. Yeah. Hmm. You know, and, and I know they're buying older, broke-down right you know, equipment on the end of its life and they give it a second life. But yeah, I, I would just be curious because I was in, I remember being in Cancun and seeing it and I was like, eh, I don't see accidents all over the place. Things are moving. You yeah. Know, I doubt I, the enforcement's at our level. It's not. And it'd be interesting to know how much it really matters. My guess is the numbers probably aren't as different as some people might think they would be. All right. I am going to move along. We are going to take our final call for the day. Chuck in Georgia, you get the last word. What's on your mind today? Hi, Kevin. Thanks for taking the call. Actually, uh, we've been chatting on X or formerly Twitter. Um, Charles, the driver on there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and he had put up a thing about, you know, if, if, shh, don't tell them if they'll fix it, and they had the kids with the shovel dumping the dirt on themselves. Yeah. And I was asking about, so what of us that are $2 a mile? And he asked for my information for, oh, cry me. Yeah, profit gauges. <laughs> right. So I was just curious if you had a chance to check that out yet or not, or... I have not. I haven't had a chance to check much of anything out these days. Um, I'm hoping when I, I find, finally get into Nashville and get settled, I've got a, about a week to get ready for the event. i got to finish my keynote and work on that. But uh, I'm thinking uh, once I get in, I'll have a little more time to start catching up on some stuff. Cool. What's going on in Nashville? Just out of curiosity. Uh, I, the Nastic uh, annual conference, their big event for the year. I'm doing the uh, oh, okay. doing the keynote to open that up on Thursday. And I, every time I look at my schedule, they've added something. I guess I'm emceeing some event at night. And I'm doing a breakout and I'm doing a driver award ceremony and. Uh, now that I've got my schedule under control and it changed a little bit, right after that event in Nashville, Freight Waves has their big event in Chattanooga. So I'm pretty sure I'm going to be attending that as well. Well, that's not too far to go, though. Chattanooga to Nashville. Yeah, it's right there and it's right a couple days after. So it looks like it's going to work out good. Gotcha. Um, well, I guess I could give you a little bit of the history of my operation, per yeah. se. Uh, I've been owner-operator for the last four years. I'm leased on to a carrier that I was a company driver first. Okay. Bought my truck on my own, bought my trailer on my own, 
Uh, for example, so say the, the load pays $3 a mile for their contract that I'm under. If it pays $3 a mile with my truck and trailer, I get 81% of that $3 a mile. Okay. Let me get paid. He, just, just for general purposes, that's a very common setup to be on a percentage contract with a carrier. I try to convince people never to use that gross revenue number from the carrier because it's meaningless to you. You never see it. It's not like you get 100% and then have to pay the 20% or whatever your number was back. We don't have to account for it because it never was in our bank account. So I tell people, don't use that number. It's confusing to everybody, including yourself. Always use the revenue coming to your truck as the number you talk about. And that's that. um, So yeah, when, so like that $3 a mile, I'll times that by the 81% and then that's my number. Right. But, but don't, uh, we don't want to hear, I don't, this is just a pet peeve of mine. I don't want to ever hear the $3 a mile because it just confuses everybody. You never received that money. It, it shouldn't be a part of our conversation or our numbers because you never received it. Right. So we always start you, with man. the revenue but, you receive. So do the math in your head, do the math in the background, but always use your revenue as your revenue. Right. Okay. Gotcha. Go ahead. So what, what do you mean? But yeah, but that's where I have all my numbers are from is the topic gauges and, you know, doing the monthly thing where when I'm home, I'll put in my supplements and for the month and what I drove the miles for, right. for, you know, that month, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, that's where I come, you know what I mean? And that's where I have my $2 a mile overhead is, is from Wait. using profit gauges because it tells me. So, uh, well, now I do want to talk about this, even though I haven't had time to really look at it. Give me a breakdown of this $2 a mile because that is outrageously high. And let me just ask you a couple questions. What's your fuel cost per mile in profit gauges? 71 cents. Okay. What's your maintenance cost per mile in profit gauges? I'd have to look it back up. Last It was over 30 cents a mile. Okay, that's... Slightly high, but that can happen a lot. So we're at a buck a mile now. What's your truck payment per mile? Uh, it's around thirty-five cents a mile. How do we get to two bucks? Uh, my truck uh, trailer payment on top of it. So there's another twenty-five cents a mile, How, almost thirty cents a mile. On top what of kind that. of trailer did you have to buy? What did it cost? Uh, Seventy thousand, so thousand dollars a month. And how many miles a month do you drive? Anywhere from seven to ten thousand. So let's. let's it's an open deck. Well, flies I, I get that. I, 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 yeah. I get that. I just want to yeah. run some numbers in my. So, how much is your truck payment a month? Rounded out, three thousand. Ooh. Okay. That's just, just for round numbers. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. well, wait a minute. I don't, I want to make sure it's not too round. That sounds like a really big payment on a 70,000. Now, if you did it really short term, a couple of years, it might be that big, but I want to make sure it, truck, one of the things we have that, to that, really be my, careful of is rounding off. Uh-huh. We, when you round one number, you're now slightly inaccurate. 
you round two numbers, you're more inaccurate. You get up to where you're rounding everything you're talking about, and the numbers become meaningless now. And I think that's what's going on here. I doubt that you have a $2 a mile cost. It's really hard. So give me, let's get a little closer on this truck payment. You have to know better than just somewhere around $3,000. Twenty-nine forty-one and change. All right. Even that. So you must it's have like financed it for a really short period of time. Seven years at 6%. Right through pack bar. Hold on. Your trailer I'm talking about. Oh, trailer is 6% four years at $1,000. I'm sorry. I thought you said truck payment. No, I, I'm still on the My trailer bad. payment. <laughs> so your tra- trailer payment is $1,000 a month. And you're running. Correct. I. Let's just go on the low side. The ten thousand dollars, and it makes the math easy. That's ten cents a mile. You told me thirty. Oh, I bring up. Oh, oh yeah, that's what I needed. Oh, I can look the, up profit gauges right on that on your app, right? No, Profit Gages is not on the app. You have to go through your browser to get to Profit Gages. But this is, first off, let me congratulate you on using Profit Gages. What you're not doing is you're not really understanding the numbers. And then you're just, your $2 a mile is wrong. Or 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 I'm missing something big. Because we're not near $2 a mile and we've covered all the big stuff. So, well, besides insurance payments, you know, insurance and all that. How much is your, your insurance I got to pay year? for all that, dude. No, I know all that, but all oh, of that usually right. is not very big. In your mind, your trailer payment was 30 cents a mile when it's really only 10. Well, that's why I was wanting to look up the profit gauges on, on yeah, my and- browser. Well, here's what you need to do. You need to know those numbers better. With one truck, you could, when I had multiple trucks, you could wake me up at 2 o'clock in the morning out of a sound sleep, ask me questions about my numbers, and I would have been accurate. Down to the penny. There's no reason not to. There's not that much to remember. Well, and that's, that's my fault. I don't have that type of memory and. No, you do. You just don't spend enough time in your numbers. I promise you. Look, I've taught eight-year-olds. We were just talking about having, you know, a 17-year-old put in the numbers. I've taught eight-year-olds how to run profit gauges. And after a while, the more time you spend in your numbers, the more you will understand them. And again, if, if your cost is $2 a mile, I'm going to tell you, you are in real danger. You have got a big problem. Okay. Because the I, rates aren't supporting that I anymore. I was wanting to pick your brain. Yeah. They're, well, you it, know it, they're not. It, it, so once you go dig into your numbers, anybody in today's world running much over a buck a mile in cost is going to struggle. And you're, you're well over that. You're not at $2 a mile, but you are certainly over a dollar a mile. You're at a dollar a mile with nothing but fuel and maintenance. You, then you have two right. big payments. And how much is your insurance a year? Uh, I know the weekly is, it's over, it's just out of my settlement a week for everything I got to pay for on the insurance, 
Bob Dale Insurance is three hundred dollars a week. No so way. No, yeah, no I'm, way. Really? That sounds really high. Well, yeah. Being leased to a carrier. Part of the loan that agreement. is $1,200 a month. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and part of the loan agreement on the truck alone was I had to carry that extra who's, gap insurance. Who's the loan through? Pack car. So gap insurance means you had no down payment. Yeah, I did. I well, one of two things. Yeah. You didn't either. Gap insurance means you did not have a big enough down payment to satisfy the lender, and now you had to add an additional cost to your business. You might be at two bucks a mile. I, I may be the one that's wrong about your numbers. If you are, you're toast. You're not going to make it through this. That's why I, I asked the question of should I, I sell out now while the selling's good? And well, the selling's not good. <laughs> and no, now you, it's going you, downhill now. Yeah. Well, wait, sure. let, let's talk about your truck a little bit. What year is it? 22. Title 22. How much, did you, how much did you pay for it? Total p- cost of the truck. Don't tell me about payments or not. Just tell me the total sales price of the truck. 189. Oh my God. And you paid 70 for a trailer. I, it, that your your truck at 189 right now would not sell for 90. That truck is not a ninety thousand dollar truck on today's market. I don't believe. I might be a little off, but but you are so upside down because you didn't have a big enough down payment. That's why you're paying gap insurance. My guess is you overpaid on the trailer as well. Um that was Two-year-old trailer. 70. What kind of trailer is it? Uh, low Pro Ratnauer, 53-foot step deck with a ramp kit. Well, that's not all that specialized. Two years old and you paid 70000 for it? That's, they were going for it at the time. Yes, I know. That's why I was but telling people yeah. absolutely do not buy equipment during that time. I said it a thousand times. I said, I don't care how financially healthy you are. Don't do it. I had people I was recommending they go rent equipment because the prices were so bad. At this point, um, what's your revenue per mile in profit gauges? 50. No, gross revenue per mile before any expenses. Right now on the overview, it's showing me 53 cents a mile. That, that. No, you're looking at something wrong. That I, I just clicked on overview. I don't know what that means. Um, we got to get to your business report in profit gauges. Uh, business report. Okay. I can bring up last September because October isn't over with, obviously. Last September would be so wonderful. You want this. Yes, I'm on September right now. Gross revenue so per mile. profit per mile. Not profit. Is gross revenue per mile. Summary? It's on... Revenue. Total revenue. That's at the bottom of revenue, correct? On the first yes. set? Of, yes. But it's $26,370.21. Now per mile. Look at the next column where it shows per mile. Miles was $4.18 a mile. If you've done your accounting right, that's the only reason you're still in business. 
that you're getting $4.18 a mile. I'm hoping you're doing your accounting right. What kind of freight are you pulling? Oversized, overweight. Uh, sometimes it's legal. Sometimes it's lightweight. Sometimes it's you know, so that, that find me the load. So let, I, let, let, let's do this. Um, if you're willing, um, would you be willing to come on at the beginning of a show when I have your numbers right in front of me and we can talk about real numbers? Oh, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. I'm, I'm going to do that. I thought I'd be able to do it without looking at it, and I was kind of in a little bit of a hurry. So I am going to... I understand. Um, no, I, yeah, no. I'm going to put you back on hold, and let me think. Uh, tomorrow's Tuesday. We've got the power hour, Wednesday's health Thursday. Can we do this Thursday? Sure. Yeah. Let, let's do it Thursday. So sure. I'm going to put you back in the queue and I will have Morgan, um, make the arrangements to get you on at the beginning of the show on Thursday. I'll take some time to go through your numbers. We'll get, uh, make sure you give Morgan the information so I can look up your, profit gauges now and I'll take some time when I have some and I'll go through the numbers and I'll have a plan and I'll have this mostly figured out and we'll go from there. How's that sound? Oh, I already put you back in the queue so you can't answer. Um, All right, we're going to wrap this up. Uh, I need to get on the road today. We will be back tomorrow. The schedule is normal for the rest of uh, this week. Next week, I'm not sure yet because of the event. So I'll take a look at it next week. We'll see what's going on there. All right. Uh, I'm going to hit the road. If you happen to be uh, traveling, I'll be on I-70 most of the day today through Kansas and Missouri. I may make a slight detour in Missouri. I'm not sure yet. Uh, We'll see you back here tomorrow. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.